Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, and welcome to episode 113 of the Talk Podcast. I'm with Corey Lewis, who is a physiotherapist in Mount Sinai. We have in New York City. And uh, be- before I talk to Corey, I'd like to just ask you all to follow me on social media. So at Concussion Talk, uh, visit my, my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Concussion Talk, and my new fangled, newly designed website, which is concussiontalk.com. And, uh, and then you know, subscribe and review the review for this podcast. And uh, then before I talk to Corey, I'd like to Thank my sponsor, HeadCheck Health. Concussion Talk Podcast is presented by HeadCheck Health. HeadCheck Health bridges the gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. To run organizations like the Canadian Football League, Track Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on HeadCheck Health to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more. Okay, now, Corey, thank you so much for being on here. We talked briefly on Monday about, I wanted to talk to you about Super Bowl Sunday coming up and out this Super Bowl week, but then you reminded me that that actually was that those of the Winter Olympics going on, and I totally forgot about that because I, as a bad Canadian, I haven't been paying attention to it. But uh, first of all, I guess I can see the first you get you to could you tell, about, tell us a bit more, bit more about yourself, about Corey. Sure, Nick. Sir Nick, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, so like you mentioned, uh, my name is Corey Lewis. I'm an advanced clinician physical therapist at Mount Sinai's Outpatient Rehab. Um, I've been working here for about a little over eight years now um, with some experience in different settings, but right now my primary permanent spot is in outpatient and I get a mixed caseload of both orthopedics and uh, neurological patients. So I have a few certifications, um, just one, I'm a board certified orthopedics clinical specialist, certified brain injury specialist, and a certified manual physical therapist. So I really appreciate working with um, patients that have had a concussion because that sort of blends the different certifications that I have and really gets, it's, you know, not an easy injury for the patient, but I really like to work with those patients because I feel like it's a puzzle and just kind of figuring out exactly how best I can help them get back to their normal everyday activities. Great. Well, actually, I was going to ask you a, a letter, a letters after your name, but uh, you clarified that and you mentioned me already on Monday that you were to the, 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 the amount, the brain injuries for, with brain injury. 
there, Masai. And uh, yeah, but, yeah, sorry. Um, and uh, I guess I guess we'll start, we'll start off with the initiation of the podcast was Super Bowl. So we'll start off with the, that the athletes of the Super Bowl have had two weeks off now. And generally that's taught enough to be as like as a good rest period, rest for a concussion. Like most concussions will clear up within I don't know if I'm seeing a turn here, but within two weeks, but like but the the big there's a big but or however. So should we talk about that about the other issues that may be in play? Sure. So that's a great point. Um, you know, the thing about concussion is because it's a brain injury, each person will heal sort of at their own pace. So depending on the severity of the injury and what the symptoms are, a lot of people refer to concussion as almost like an invisible injury. It's a little more functional versus structural um, for the most part. And yes, you had either an impact to your head or to the body, but the head was involved and the brain controls a lot of different things. So Although two weeks is usually a time frame when most people can recover, they're still at risk of potentially getting another injury as well as still suffering from some symptoms that can get flared up with any sort of return to play, exertion, or even just mental challenges as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so these players are obviously practicing, practicing a lot during these two weeks. So would that be a, a hindrance to the recovery if they were, if they were a concussed? in say the conference times? It definitely can be. Um, a lot of times there are sort of specific guidelines in each organization is a little bit different, but typically as soon as you first get a concussion, obviously there are rules in place for ruling in or just a suspected concussion. So a lot of teams have doctors that will do medical evaluations. They require monitoring and follow-up. And then initially a lot of the advice is to sort of rest and gradually do kind of the minimal that you can tolerate. So maybe that's just a short walk of 10 minutes yeah, and not really to push it beyond that. And then it's sort of like phases and each phase should progress a little bit more. So maybe going from a little bit longer of a walk to a little more cardio where you might incorporate either a jog run, depending on the sport, if it's maybe, um, skating or something like that not really forcing yourself but just kind of gradually building up your your cardio to a specific level and that's something that again the monitor to not flare up the symptoms and then again progressing from that point to doing a little bit more um, strength training if they're able to tolerate that or a little more resistance training with the goal of getting closer to specific sport related activities, but non-contact. So maybe that would involve, for example, for the Super Bowl, they could be involved in a throwing or a catching drill, but not really with an offense defense sort of um, factor there because you wanna avoid any potential injury again, whether it be from someone hitting them in the head or tackling. So once they kind of pass the non-contact phase, they'll gradually return to maybe like the contact practice where it's a full practice with the team, but they still have to be able to pass that without any symptoms. Um, and then once they're all cleared, usually by a doctor or some sort of medical professional, as long as everything's fine, they can, they're kind of back, no symptoms increased with activity. It'll be kind of getting back to that full game. And again, as long as they can tolerate that, they're able to kind of go forward from there. Nice. And, uh, and, you, were, and you mentioned that uh, 
like if you hit again, it's also it's not stuff. It's really really not good if you've been concussed previously. But would that necessarily exacerbate them? So say if you were concussed and you felt the blurry vision, would being concussed again necessarily mean that oh your vision is now totally gone or even more blurry and blurrier? Like or does or are the different symptoms? Um, that can depend. It can definitely exacerbate things or make it worse than what they were. But yeah. if, say, for example, they were hit another time and it was kind of before the brain had the chance to recover, there is something that's known as second impact syndrome, which essentially is um, you had another injury to the brain and there's more swelling that happens. And that can actually be potentially fatal in people yeah. if it's really severe and the brain kind of continues to swell um, inside of the skull. Yeah, no, so, there's a law here in, in Canada uh, yeah. about that. So yeah. there, that's why there are a lot of regulations in place. And, you know, from pediatrics to the professionals, a lot of states have specific, specific regulations so that they should be cleared and checked in on for each of the different phases so that they're not kind of going about their normal routine. And then all of a sudden they feel like, oh, I'm okay, I'm good to go. And then they get hit again and potentially have worse consequences after or even a longer recovery. So that's always a main factor. And I get, you know, for something like the Super Bowl, who's going to want to miss that yeah. once in a lifetime opportunity? But if it's your your own health at that point, it's sort of weighing not only the pros and cons, but yeah. whether or not the doctors even clear you to return for a game like that. Right. And because uh, basically the, we're saying they're saying that the head is impact is not say directly impacted, but it's of influence. It's impacted secondarily at least. So uh, aside from everyone knows about like seeing a helmet on the head is a bad news, or if you see someone get slammed to the ground, their head backs off the off the off the field, like it's, it's obviously not good. But like, what other things can happen to someone on the field that this that would be? You'd look at them and say, oh, maybe concussion maybe you should take a look at this guy yeah so um a good thing with helmets is that they do help the risk of like a very severe brain or head injury however yeah. they don't completely um erase the chance of getting a concussion so exactly. that is something that can still happen um yeah. and in terms of helmets they have very specific ones obviously depending on the sport um so even if someone's head isn't hit they might have gotten tackled so hard that their body hits the ground or even, you know, just getting hit by another player in a certain the direction. It's yep, exactly. And there's a lot of overlap between concussion symptoms and whiplash. So for most people, it might be hard to distinguish whether or not maybe their neck pain, headaches, whatever symptoms they're getting, is that whiplash or was that actually another concussion? So the NFL, for example, has different rules, whether it's helmet to helmet, they try and minimize those sort of head impacts or even just to avoid a defensive player from getting hurt. So if they're going to tackle someone, you obviously don't want to lead with your head. Um, but it's something that if you do have a sudden injury with a severe impact to the body, it can also lead to some concussion symptoms as well. And uh, well, they kind of, kind of, I don't know if it goes nicely, but it fits both the, uh, the winter Olympics, the winter Olympics are on now. And, uh, and it's just it's too much that it's just as we were saying before, it's amazing that these people don't get an injured more attention. We exchanged words about an article that was that I sent was about all the concussions that these skiers and 
And well, mostly see, it was geared there. See, that were influenced by these by these head injuries, but head injuries. But I mean, what else was because obviously the question is like it can influence every part of your body. And basically every part of your body can influence if you get a concussion, obviously you, you know, falling and stuff. But like, you know, like if you break an ankle or hurt the knee, then that can be a few few ways that can influence your concussion susceptibility in winter sports or football. So just talk about that for a second. Sure. And I know for me, I personally have been watching a lot of the Winter Olympics so far and just seeing some of the sports, um, you know, whether it's downhill skiing, the half pipe, which I'm always amazed at how they can go up, you know, 15, 20 feet in the air, come down, sometimes land on their back, you know, yeah. their head drags along the half pipe. Yeah. There is such a risk with a lot of these sports. And the good thing is, again, most of them are wearing helmets for specific sports, but if someone falls and their main concern is, oh, I hurt my knee, but maybe they came kind of tumbling down the mountain or down a steeper path on the half pipe, that's something that maybe all their focus was on their knee at the time. And they're sort of not necessarily paying attention to why am I getting all these headaches or yeah. why is my vision blurry or why am I thinking a little more slowly or having trouble getting words out, which for them, they're just maybe frustrated because their opportunity at a gold medal has just kind of been crushed. But yeah, now it's all right. Well, maybe there was another injury there. It wasn't just your knee got hurt. Maybe you had a concussion. And that's something that a lot of the video recordings help with too. So, you know, having the, the films to look back at having sideline doctors to help rule out those injuries. But if the athletes don't admit to that also, that's something that puts them at risk of, you know, getting injured again. And that whole starting the whole second impact syndrome conversation one more time there. So do you guys spend a lot of time in the outpatient or any, or in your inpatient rehab, whatever, either way about awareness for, cause I know like say for the Olympics, the, the, uh, the lots of medical staff there, which is great and well-paid and stuff, but not like, I mean, NFL is a different, totally different animal and the NFL is, money to burn and uh not that they would but you know <laughs> but uh <laughs> they have lots of money so these athletes are say amateur may not and they just play once a year and once once every sorry, once every four years and they're just eager to be there and very i was very always very young i was in the teens so do you spend a lot of time or do you know if they spend much time on awareness for how much say if you're like 18 years old, you go to these games and you injure yourself and you, you got gosh, you're like, oh, it's fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna win, I could win the gold battle, so just plow on. But realize that when you're, do you think oh, I'm not gonna be from 40, that's ancient. I'm never gonna, who cares? I'm like, I'm 40, but then you get to 40, you realize I've over like, over, I haven't lived half my life yet. And I'm just like, this is, this is it now. So, you know, so awareness is such a big part. And do you guys spend a lot of time teaching about awareness? And what do you teach when you teach awareness? Yeah, that's definitely a great question because that's something that, especially at Mount Sinai, and I feel like throughout different health systems at this point, concussion awareness is such a big piece, whether it's educating schools, teams, making sure coaches, parents, family, friends know how to kind of recognize is someone presenting with a concussion? Were there signs and symptoms that, you know, you saw them either get hit in the head, they had a fall, or even just allowing people to understand that they should be honest with their coaches or whoever, if you do hit your head outside of 
a game or practice, and then you go to your practices and now you're having these concussion symptoms. Maybe you don't remember plays. Maybe you can't react as quickly to things. So there are a lot of things we try to kind of educate, not only our patients. So any patient that comes in, I explain the importance of how much as for me, specifically a physical therapist, I can assess them and make sure if there are things that I think they need to focus on or give themselves a little more time to, to get back to doing. So say for example, it's, I get dizzy every time I turn my head or I can't really follow things with my eyes because that flares up my symptoms or these headaches are so severe I can't focus. So knowing maybe it's a change in school, if it's a young athlete, they might not be able to go back to school right away at their full level or work for an adult. Yeah. Um, so making sure that they know that there are things that they should do to help minimize that increase in symptoms. Um, so just kind of getting out there, advocating for how much just as healthcare professionals in general, we can really offer to patients that have had a concussion. It's a very um, multidisciplinary injury. So there are a lot of different um, providers that can really work to improve symptoms, whether it be a physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, uh, neuro-ophthalmologist, uh, physiatrist. So there's a lot of different areas, yeah. but for everyone to work together, I think that's also what we've been trying to push here at Mount Sinai so that we do talk pretty often. We'll message the doctors if we have concerns or we'll send them our notes just so they know exactly how the patient's progressing. Patients often ask because they know how involved their symptoms are, you know, maybe they're seeing two or three professionals in a given week, all for their concussion symptoms. And they want to know that we're communicating. So that's something that for us, we really have to make sure that our communication amongst each other is as, as thorough as it can be for the patient. And towards the more objective assessment of conditions, I know you'll get, as a physio, you'll get obviously notes from, from doctors and from physiatrists now, and your occupational therapists and your nurses, however, and maybe even parents or maybe even the people themselves, but uh, can't say point, but, uh, but, you know, but I uh, mean, do you, do you do you think that the baseline testing or any sort of first the testing first of all make to get a good or basically get baseline to good word as I can use but baseline testing do you think that that's really important or do you think it's just you know good good knowing what the symptoms are? Yes, that's a great point. So baseline testing is definitely something that I think is becoming more popular. It's been around for professional organizations, but I think schools are definitely doing that a lot more. That's something we want to, again, as healthcare providers really encourage that teams are doing it at the beginning of the season and you just have that baseline information. So you can tell, well, all right, compared to back before our season started to you just got an injury the other day. So you had a concussion. We want to know, are you having major changes? Maybe you don't feel that you're completely off. Maybe you're not having a ton of the more physical symptoms like, all right, I'm not having a headache. I don't have neck pain, but how quickly are you having like cognitive changes, which that can pick up on some of the baseline readings as well, which, you know, look at different things, whether it's how someone can kind of move their eyes quickly, if their memory, if they're having trouble with any short-term memory issues, recalling plays, that sort of stuff can be impacted. Um, you'll see how their balance is. So if maybe their balance is off 
and they do go back to something soon that puts them at risk of another potential injury, whether it not be a concussion, but maybe you fall and hurt your leg. So baseline testing can really help just to give sort of an objective value as to where they were pre-season or pre-starting whatever activity it was, yeah. and then comparing that to kind of normal ranges for specific ages um, and just see, all right, well, how do you compare to this? If there's major changes, I don't think you're quite so ready to go back yet, especially if you are having symptoms. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I know there's like, I don't know, there's, there's not discussion between the argument between concussion prevention concussion treatment but there seems to be they should be it seems to me they should be they're kind of more odd just like don't let them do this don't let them do that just and it's, you know but again but also knowing that raising awareness to, for everyone to say like that if you do this you're going to hurt your head and it's not just going to be all mouth for a few months or whatever but it could impact you totally for the rest of your life and and just and just take you know take care of you at one you only have one brain all that stuff, but also but uh as we as we see in like football and like in these sports and the Olympic sports where there are a bunch of teenagers. I mean you're not gonna tell a teenager that they'll be hurt when they're thirty where they care. They're, 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 when they're like fourteen they're mental and they're and they're you know they're gonna live forever and who cares about yeah. thirty so well they're ancient so you know so that does <laughs> thing. But so do you do you find that when you raise awareness about both prevention, not necessarily prevention, but from about minimizing risk of concussion to young athletes and them, and they getting proper treatment to find the different, different conversation between kids, which I don't know how much you do with kids, because you're with, I assume, more adults, 
But uh, do you find as much difference between talking to kids and adults? And but what do you, what would you say to them? Yeah, so um, I definitely tend to get more of the adult population, but I get some adolescents, some younger patients every once in a while. But a lot of it's the language. So for them, you know, they're in school. That's they're in school. Maybe they play a sport. Maybe they play an instrument. They have all these different activities. So for them to understand, well, why is me hitting my head right now going to affect me for a while if I just go out and keep playing? It just yeah. hurts right now or I just feel off right yeah. now. So it's really just explaining to them, you know, you are still growing. There are some changes that can happen. Um, so we just don't want to limit that with your body and making sure that you can get back to doing all the things you love to do, whether it be playing a sport or different instruments or, you know, school in general. So by having them rush back to playing a sport or doing something that puts them at risk of injuring themselves again, it can potentially take twice as long or three times as long, or, you know, can be an ongoing thing. So it's really trying to relate to them. And obviously everyone's a little bit different with how best they understand, but education on prevention and making sure that schools are aware of that too. Um, I know that certain schools have a lot of policies and education that's kind of built in now with different training regarding concussion. Um, teachers are going to have to be a little more accepting if they have to change. Maybe they can't do that full day of school. They might have to start with a half day or, you know, minimizing certain like gym, for example, so they don't get risk of injury again. Um, but I think the prevention is really key. So specifically for maybe like a younger patient, it's also talking with their parents, which for them it's okay, well, I get yeah. that they have their championship game this weekend, but how would it be if they got hurt again? And this potentially was worse this time around. Um, and then they couldn't play for, you know, who knows how yeah. long. If, yeah. So it's really kind of putting it into perspective that they'll understand um, that, again, most people will recover on average in a shorter yeah. period of time. But again, you don't want to be that one person that really pushed it too soon and then now all of a sudden it's just prolonging all of their symptoms yeah no that's a thing to see as i go i think it's just it's a delicate balance between people is pushing you know pushing through it and all, all that stuff language but like which is not good but like to say that to say that and then let make sure everybody just sits out when they get hurt at all like it's not it's just it's not necessarily i don't think it's it's a reasonable everybody to think that people will because especially, especially adolescents when they're just except but being able to play and that and the most yeah have you talked to people like between people so you've had friends like football players or hockey player hockey players or anybody anybody really who has a friend or friend who's doing concussed or injured and did and did, is it time for helpful they realize that there's a risk of Contingent, they have someone who get pretty badly concussed, and they're and they're just concussed, and so you find that's a bit a bigger. They're more serious about their recovery and their physio and whatnot. Yeah, I definitely think that's something that's um, also pretty common. Where if people know of someone else that yeah. potentially had a concussion and how severely that impacted them, or they compare themselves, well, why is that person? Why were they better in? you know, two weeks and for right, me it's yeah. taking a month or longer. So you see both sides of it where that's important as well. And, you know, you educate and say, even if it's talking to your friends 
who are really pushing you to come back to play and they want you in this game. It's, it's kind of, you're on your own course of recovery. So you again, can't really compare yourself to the next person. Everyone's injury is going to be a little bit different. So while you want to say, I know this person who got better this quickly, I should yeah. be better. That's yeah. not always the case. And that's a lot of what I talk to my patients about and um, letting them know that for some of them, they feel like, ah, this is sort of like a big burden. And yeah. I always have to go to these appointments and I can't do the things I want to do. And it's changing, you know, my, my everyday life. It's ideally, you know, you have that conversation where you want to say, we're working on getting you back to doing it. I know it's not as fast as you want it to be. Most people yeah. want to be fixed yesterday. And here we are today still having bad symptoms, but it's kind of allowing your body to heal and yeah. just kind of gradually pushing, getting back to your activity level without flip those really bad flare ups. And if uh, this, is actually, this is just a more physio question, but say your zone comes to you and they are playing any or any sport, I shouldn't say playing a certain sport, but they're, activity where you think maybe concussions are more of a risk issue in this this bigger sport um what they come to is that they uh just they just first our first injury they've they sprained an ankle how would you would you add them thinking about concussions thinking about their obviously you rehab them just in general but would you say them a you know you know make sure your stabilizers are good because i definitely um you know, whether it's someone coming in with an ankle sprain or, you know, a knee injury, I won't necessarily jump right away to concussion, but I tell them of the risks of going back too soon of, you know, maybe your balance will be off. And maybe, you know, if you overdo it with something, I always just want to make sure that not only is it the problem they're coming for, I kind of look at the full body when I'm approaching a patient and just say, well, based on what I'm seeing here, this could potentially kind of throw you off if you get back to running or jumping. So I want to kind of look at the whole patient as a, you know, just as a whole in general. Um, but I would say for certain, certain patients, they might be a little bit more at risk. Again, there are more contact sports, but yeah. it could just be, you know, I stood up and I hit my head on a, a low beam or I, you know, had a slip and fall and hit my head on something. So you know, with any of those things too, I'll educate my patient if they did have a fall, because that happens sometimes where someone comes in for something else and they mention, you know, I slipped the other day. I always ask them, well, what did you hit? Did you hit your head? That's a, usually one of the questions yeah. I always ask in addition to what other areas to see if something has changed. But, you know, I'm always kind of looking at the whole patient and really making sure that we're not missing anything that would put them at risk in the future for any sort of injuries. Right. So, so finally, another physio question. What type of injuries do you see at your outpatient right now? Like, do you just in this time, this time of year, February, in the winter, um, more? Sorry. In this time, there's no one specific. I would say my caseload is sort of all over the place where I get a mix. Um, I'll have brain injury, I'll have stroke, spinal cord injury. And then on the other hand, I'll have um, and ankle sprain, back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain. So there's no one set increase right now. I would say some people with snow are a little bit more likely to slip and fall, but that can result in different injuries, whether it be they hurt their back with their slip, or maybe they hit their head and they did get a concussion or, you know, broke a bone, that sort of thing. So I think that's probably what I like about 
how I have so much variety in my caseload. It's kind of yeah. always changing. And the way I sort of approach every patient, it's sort of like a puzzle and not just yeah. treating that one area. It's sort of, can I get them back to doing whatever they want to do? So I do like having that variety in my caseload. Every right. Day. Yeah. No, I'm actually asking Dr. Cancel in December. I said, well, you must still have like ice injuries, slip and falls. He's like, well, not as much as you think because you know, people are more inside and they're yeah. in the New York City, so I'm sure I think taking care of the streets and stuff is not as much ice around as there is in this there's in my city. It's lots of ice, but uh, well, not, <laughs> right now, right now, actually, now it's too warm for ice. But anyway, yeah. Um, but uh, so you said you were watching the half pipe last night, but are there any sports mm-hmm. athletics that you like watching or do you think do you like watching, first of all, which are like all the do you particularly like and or that ones and or ones that particularly say to you, oh, this guy is going to hurt themselves badly if they, you know, except for obviously, obviously the half pipe stuff would happen. I mean, like any other more, I'll say, uh, day to say regular sports. Yeah. So I would say, obviously, football, hockey, they tend to be the ones that are a little more aggressive. Soccer, you're heading the ball or it's, you know, it can get very physical. Um, for me, I grew up playing basketball I was always kind of either boxing people out and there are times where you might get an elbow to the head or you, you know, ever hit your head on the, on the ever hit it on backboard luckily no which is uh <laughs> luckily I'll say that <laughs> yeah luckily no um I've definitely come down and sprained my ankle a couple yeah. times in the past landing on someone's foot and all that but it, um in terms of specific sports, you know, it can really happen with anything. Again, whether you're skiing, snowboarding, you might just have a fall, slip, and kind of take a tumble and roll. But I feel like I've also, in the past, I've played volleyball. I've dove in beach volleyball, kind of got up a little, you know, maybe I kind of landed and stretched out a little more than I should have, or yeah. trying to block spikes it can really happen with a ton of different sports. Um, but when I do watch, I'm always on the lookout for <laughs> different yeah. injuries. And I think that's sort of the PT mindset. You watch people run, right, you, yeah. you watch people walk and I'm constantly analyzing. It never no, turns they're, off. They're gate and all this stuff. And like, where the oh yeah. Are. I'll go, I go into central park and watching people run or walk. It's one of those things where I On just, Saturday. I can't turn off that part of my brain. So then mm-hmm. I, it kind of goes, well, what do I think's wrong? Why are they running like that? But that's something that I think as a PT, um, it's pretty common. So, yeah. So there's no, there are any, any sports there. I mean, you mentioned snowboarding. So did you do you snowboard or skateboard? And so uh, I would any, any of that. I've skied downhill skiing, um, never got into snowboarding. And again, I'm not uh, an intense skier, but there were times where, especially when I was learning more, I would have some falls and, yeah. No major injury for me, but I can definitely see how many people, especially once it gets icy or even just colliding. So if you go on a busy day and there's a lot of people that, especially if it's on the easier trails where people are learning, you yeah. always are kind of avoiding people so you don't get into a crash as well. But yeah, definitely I can see it with a ton of the winter sports. Um, but I think it's, yeah, actually, it's good there's... because... There's a, there's a ski sport that I've seen that's like newish. Um, don't say newish, like not 10, 10 years ever, really. But like that, the uh, the ski cross, 
Which yes. is that's just begging for uh, a bad injury. I just yeah, that that's remarkable. But and, the, the best seen, athletes are that's in their feet. Yeah, I've seen that, and uh, you know, I think that was actually on the other day when I saw that as well. And they have like the blue lines built into the course, which yeah. they always talk about it as they're commenting. Um, yeah. Just that it's there to help the athletes. So they know when there are those changes in terrain or, you know, yeah. if all of a sudden there's a turn. So they're not going to be more likely to get injured, but it's also kind of built into those yeah. areas where there might be a jump and then they're landing. So I think they, a lot of the winter sports are doing what they can to help minimize those yeah. specific injuries. But it is always something that, you know, it can happen. It's why, yeah, it's why the sports are, why we watch the sports. Because they're, yeah. cause they're just crazy and dangerous and just, and yeah. that yeah, if they do stay on their feet and or do survive generally, that's just like, that, that, that's what makes it, that's what, that's, in winter sports, it's more like 50% of the battle is just staying around. Exactly. And I can't, I can't imagine going off a big jump and, yeah having to spin five times, flip upside down and land and still be fine. But hey, they do it and they make it look good. So I feel like that's what, that's what keeps drawing everyone back. Exactly, so. yeah. So uh, thank you so much for, for doing this this podcast. And is there anything else you'd like to add to either your, uh, your app link or your, your work or any work sure. where we can reach you or anything like that? Yeah, so I mean, I love the you know, working with uh, patients that have had concussion before. So if anyone has any questions, you can email me directly at my work email. It's corey.lewis1 at mountsinai.org. Um, as well as if people have questions about referrals for concussion at Mount Sinai, we have a specific email address for that. It's concussion at mountsinai.org. Um, and that's usually you know, they're connected with a coordinator who helps just set up any sort of evaluation for patients that have had a concussion. Um, but again, I'm always open to talk about concussion all day. Send me emails. Great. I'm happy to look through it. And, great. you know, I really appreciate being on here, Nick. This is a oh, no, great way to so talk much. about everything. Thank you so much for joining them doing this. And uh, also, as I mentioned, that there's a, I follow you on Twitter, not you, this way, I follow you on Instagram, but on Twitter and Instagram, there's the Mount Sinai Rehab and, rehab and Performance or Rehab. On that, I don't know the handle of those, so but I know yes. they're on they're on both Instagram and and Facebook and Twitter and Facebook, I assume. So yes, yeah. yeah. So you can follow them on Instagram. It is, I believe, Mount Sinai Rehab. Let me just confirm that. Yeah. But yeah, we are always, you know, putting up different things regarding to the rehab world. So it's yeah. at Mount Sinai Rehab. So that's M-O-U-N-T-S-I-N-A-I-R-E-H-A-B. Awesome, thank you. You're the you're the second physio, the third person from Mount Sinai that I've interviewed. And I have interviewed Tracy, your your I don't know colleague if she works now, patient or not, but uh, Tracy Lynn yes. about cranial yep. sacral therapy in the next few weeks, which will be be perfect to him. And uh, yes, Tra yeah. Tracy and I work very closely together, and that'll be a great podcast as well. I'm looking forward to hearing that one. Um, this be this be on if you listen to this, it's Friday, or at least Friday. Hopefully you listen to this before the Super Bowl, because uh, that was the first half of the conversation. So, <laughs> but yes, uh, 
And do you have any picks? Or do you do you care enough to really make any picks or Fazul? Do you? Do, um, you know do, what? Um, do, I'm kind of hoping the Bengals pull it out. Uh, I'm hoping the Bengals win. It's been since the '80s, and you know, I think it would be good to see Burrow win. Are so. you are you in Ohio or Cincinnati native? No, no, no. <laughs> no, so, no, no you're not I'm, LA though. No, and nothing wrong against that. But no, I'm uh, born and raised in New York, so. Oh. Uh, I'm a native New Yorker, which, oh. I mean, we won't talk about the, the NFL season this year, but. <laughs> okay. Well, that will, that will end, our, uh, end our podcast, but thank you so much. <laughs> no, Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thanks, Nick. Have a good one. You too. Music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound, www.bensound.com. Stamps.com. Code program.